0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 25 of the uh, Kickabout with me, Chris, and as always, Dan and Fran are here. So this is episode 25, part two, really, because as anybody uh, who watches our socials will know, There was a bit of a technical glitch on Monday, and despite recording a fantastic show, as always, the recording did not record, Um, and as such, we we lost the entire show, and uh, yeah, here we are, hopefully, re-recording a a replacement show, but obviously, the good news is we've had a whole bunch of Premier League football midweek, so we've got fresh stuff to talk about, Um, and we can also cast a little eye over the weekend uh, and the weekend's action, if we uh, if we get a moment. So to start things off, obviously we're not going to do a transfer window roundup now because the transfer window has closed, and you know it kind of feels like old news really. Uh, the only transfer I just wanted to touch on, Dan, was the Josh King one. Yeah. Um. And like how we feel about a permanent move, but only on a six-month contract, because that's very unheard of for a player anyway.
1: I yeah, I find it very weird. I assumed it was a loan. Um, but yeah, for a permanent sign-in or a six-month contract, does, surely that means they don't really have much
0: confidence in him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out who who the beneficiary is from that deal. Um, you know, it, it, if Everton had a real striker crisis, I could sort of understand that, you know, if, they, if they, they weren't sure about Josh King, but potentially he was all that was available, it's a deal that works for all parties, and in the summer they get the choice, but they're not, you know, in a striker crisis. They've still got Calvert-Lewin, they've still got Richarlison. Um, So, yeah, I I just find it quite an odd deal. You know, sometimes you have managers coming in on short-term contracts. Um, I'm not, in fairness, I'm not sure whether there's an option for Josh King in his contract, you know, that Everton can exercise their right to extend the contract by another year or whatever. There's
1: a year and a half extension they can do.
0: Right, okay. So, so I guess that goes back to your point then, Dan. Are, you know, are they? is this a, a real show or lack of uh, confidence in, in Josh King to only do this? Well, I mean, I rate
1: him. I think he's a good player. And I was surprised that he went to Everton. I thought, because, I mean, they've got Calvert-Lewin. And I mean, Calvert-Lewin's been a bit up and down since the start of the season. But I, I, don't, I don't think he's getting in ahead of Calvert-Lewin um, in terms of the striker position. I don't know if they want to play him out wide, maybe.
0: I mean, he can operate as a winger. He has done that at times in the past for Bournemouth. But uh, yeah, I just find it interesting. I mean, with, with managers, obviously, when they're on long-term contracts, four or five years, it inevitably means that when they get sacked, the club has to pay out a huge amount of money. But players very rarely get sacked unless they've you know made a, a big... Screw up in their personal lives, or they've done something very bad <clears throat> on on the pitch, or have a falling out with the manager, or whatever it may be. But generally speaking, a player is not sacked, and therefore no compensation is allowed. So the protection for the club is to put them on long contracts, and then it protects their investment so that they can potentially sell them and recoup their money. So yeah, it's it's an odd one, but you know we'll just have to keep a keep an eye on how it uh, pans out uh, for the rest of this season and beyond um moving on before we get into the bulk of the show i did also want to touch on the story about emma hayes the chelsea women's boss now again we talked about this we're probably going to be saying this a lot we talked about this on monday uh on on monday's failed recording and at the time it was just a link there was no real concrete kind of evidence or or proof that this was a genuine chance of of a woman becoming a manager of a men's professional football team in england for the first time Um, But since Monday, obviously there has been some further uh, stuff that's come out, and basically Emma Haas has clarified her stance by claiming that AFC Molden can't afford her. (laughs) What what, what do we think of this whole situation? And also not just that particular comment, but her her statement as a whole.
1: I I do kind of... I think it would have been good for women's football... uh, Well, women managers, sorry, if she had taken the job. But I I can also see like she doesn't want to be taken for a charity case which i kind of admire to be fair
0: yeah i'm with you on that i think that she probably sees this for what it is in the you know that the amount of media scrutiny that's around it it's bordering on becoming a pr stunt and i'm sure it wouldn't be to her or to wimbledon if they were to give her the job but to a lot of people it's a it's a it's an experiment isn't it yeah yeah um So yeah, but I mean, the, the flip side of that argument is is that you know she is Chelsea women's boss. They the Chelsea women's team. Whilst I don't watch a huge amount of WSL, they are on an incredible run right now. I think they're like thirty three games unbeaten. They've won three titles, two FA Cups in like eight years. She's doing a really really good job there. So she's well within her rights to turn around and say, do you know what? From what I'm doing with this club right now, I do feel like going to a struggling League One team will be a step down. Um, But on the flip side, do do we really think that a woman manager or the first woman manager to manage in the English um, men's game, do we think they're really likely to get a Premier League or a championship job? I'm not so sure.
1: No, I don't think they would ever be offered that, to be honest. I think League One is... I don't know, it's tough because I think going from... It's hard to compare it. I mean, how do you compare Chelsea women's team you know, to a a men's football team. And obviously Wimbledon see themselves on the same level as Chelsea women's team. Well, Mm -hmm. I guess if not higher, because they think that they could have got her to leave Chelsea. So it's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, this might be, you know, a a real compliment to Emma Hayes, that AFC Wimbledon, you know, with all the managerial candidates out there that I'm sure they've got access to, that they have looked at Emma Hayes and thought, you know what, she could come in and and save us and and push us forward because no club brings a manager in because they don't believe that they can take the club forward. So AFC Wimbledon clearly think that Emma Hayes is a manager that can come in and push the club forward. So there is a compliment in there, but of course, I don't believe I've actually heard that Wimbledon have confirmed or denied the fact that they approached Emma Hayes or, or anything like that. So this could still be a lot of media talk in this, um, but it looks like we are going to have to wait a little while longer before we see a woman managing an uh, English men's professional team. Mm. So let's, um, let's move on to the show then. Um, and as always, we start with this.
2: Down the stack, man. <laughs> Right, so I mean,
1: I had to go for this game, um, obviously. It was the United-Southampton game. Obviously, Uh, (laughs) yeah. After United's 9-0 demolition of Southampton on Tuesday, Bruno Fernandes now has 15 assists in 36 Premier League games. Only two players have got to 15 assists in fewer games. Who are they?
0: Whoa, I like that, I like that. Okay, we'll have a little, we'll have a little guess at that later. That'll be a nice little warm up for this the second final in the quiz later, which I know everyone is tuning in for. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll pick that up later on. So let's get into the bulk of the show. Let's talk. Uh, let's start in that very game um, because we now have conclusive proof that lightning does indeed strike twice. Manchester United nine, Southampton nil. Um, I mean, it's, it's it was an incredible night. It really was, and it all started with. 79 seconds worth of action having been played before Alex Jankovic um i mean there's no other way of saying it. he absolutely clattered McTominay i mean what on earth was he thinking here
1: uh, it was a horrible challenge i mean it was up it was <laughs> it was above his knee it was on his thigh
3: was it a necessary challenge
1: no i mean the only it thing was not
3: like
1: a no and it, it was a 50-50 ball i mean the ball was in the middle of both of them mcTominay got there for, but even if the ball You know, even if McTominay hadn't got there first, his foot is still up almost right. Like, you don't go in studs first at waist height.
0: And it was was on the halfway line, so it's not like he's even trying to block a shot or, you know, get there and try and score a goal, whatever it may be. He's on the halfway line in the opening minute and a half, and he's, you know, going in for a challenge like that. I mean... I don't think he's solely responsible for what happened after that, because a little bit like the Leicester game, the defending at time was, uh, was pretty, well, was absent at times from Southampton. Um, and we won't talk about every goal because frankly, we don't have time tonight, <laughs> but there were there were a few contentious moments in the game. So let's start with the, the first red, red card. Um, Paul Merson, who was covering the game for Sky said, he thought, Oh wow, that's, that's four red cards in one go there. Um, now, obviously there's no complaints there but do we think how much of an impact does that have on the rest of the team bearing in mind uh, you know he's a 19 year old he's coming in for his debut do you think that's a real deflating moment for the rest of the team as well i think he's
1: i think he's just tried to you know it's his first premier league it's his premier league debut i think he's tried to get stuck in tried to make an impact and trying to impress his manager
3: but he's literally stuck himself
1: yeah unfortunately he's just <laughs> he's going kind to of, bit of a bull in a china shop and (laughs) because i i mean i i I can't remember if i read or i heard that his um agent was has been sort of murmuring that he's trying to get him a move away because he wasn't playing any games um and (laughs) i'm sure ralph hassen will push him out the door now
0: i was gonna say i had ufc are probably on the phone if he doesn't get a career in football (laughs) um but yeah i mean the the second red card was, was far more contentious, and obviously by this point the game was well and truly over, but it sort of was a little bit of a precursor to the final couple of goals. Um what are our thoughts on on this Martial penalty and the subsequent red card for for Bednarak?
1: Um I mean at the time, I've seen it so many times now, and I'm I'm still very 50-50. I, I kind of do think it is a pen because obviously the, I know he's pulled out at the last minute, but Martial was expecting the contact and it's hard to tell if there is much contact, but, and then at the same time, Bednarak comes off saying that Martial even said it wasn't a foul. So, I mean, if that's true, then you've got to take both their words for it and assume that it wasn't a penalty.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it took an awful long time to get to this decision as well, because Mike Dean obviously originally gave the penalty um, VAR I don't I mean from what I understand, I don't, I don't think Mike Dean was going to do any any action on the player. VAR then intervened and told Mike Dean to go and have a look at the monitor, which he did, and spent some considerable time watching that, which is a, another issue in itself.) Um, but for me, I just I look at the way the way that's happened, and apparently there's this rule which I've overheard the commentators on BT Sport saying. You know they have the um, the ex referee in as an analyst, where they go to yeah. him to talk about like contentious decisions and stuff. Yeah. And apparently, it's down to whether he's made an attempt to play the ball or not. And if he hasn't made an attempt, therefore it's a red card. And I just don't understand that at all because he's genuinely trying to get out of the way to not foul him. How can that be? Worse as a red card offence than somebody flying in for a challenge trying to get the ball and missing him and potentially injuring the player yeah because they
1: were saying that if Bednac had just clattered Martial just swung a boot at him it would have been a yellow card because he's made an attempted challenge but the fact that he hasn't made a challenge he's pulled out of it and he's stopped a goal scoring opportunity therefore (laughs) it's a red card it's a really strange decision I don't it's a bit of a loop type thing
0: yeah, I mean, I was having a chat with a friend on WhatsApp afterwards and we were just sort of like talking about VAR as a whole and how the, the, the rules in football just are not capable of utilising VAR properly and they often end up conflicting with each other. Um, and then the the other talking point from the game was actually earlier on in the game. I think the scoreline at this point was 4-0. And Mike Dean gives a penalty for a challenge on Cavani. There's no question about whether it's a foul or not. Um, and then VAR turns around and says, no, it's a free kick. And I, again, I look at the replay on this and I'm seeing the initial contact on the foot while Cavani's foot is quite clearly on the line. And as far as I know, if your foot's on the line when you're fouled, it's a penalty. So I don't unless I missed something, that should have been a penalty,
1: shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was adamant it was a penalty. And even the commentators and the, like you say, the, the sort of referee that they have, um, he said it would be a penalty because his foot's on the line. And I'm, I'm not really sure... Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they've not given it. I mean, I find it a weird rule anyway. I, I, You know, even though it's on the line, I feel like it should just be a free kick on the line. I don't understand why it, it therefore moves forwards a little bit to become a penalty. That, that one's strange to me. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to be a stickler for the rules, then you've got to stick to every rule.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, the ball in that play, you know, over, over the goal line or not, it has to be the entire ball over the line. So why is it that the rule is the other way round for when it's committing a foul on the on the edge of the box, it, and that sort of doesn't make sense to me? Uh, but it is worth stating at least that this red card for Bednarak has has been overturned, um, which means that he is available to face Newcastle this week. So does that mean that, based on the rules as they are, you know, if they if they believe that there's been contact made and he hasn't made a contact to play the ball and therefore by the rules that's a red card so what are they saying by overturning that rule because does that mean that they think it wasn't a foul do they think that their own rules don't make sense So they've just used common sense and said actually no you can play
1: i think what they will say they'll say that it was a penalty but it it wasn't a red card i think that's how they'll get out of it i don't think they'll say that it was neither a penalty nor a red card
0: I, yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with the decision to turn it over at all. I'm just wondering whether, you know, if if the rule states that if they haven't made a challenge for the ball, um, and that's the reason there was a red card, when well, he quite clearly hasn't made a challenge for the ball, so why are we rescinding the red card if we're if we're being a stickler for the rules and that rule says that, then yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me that they've overturned it. No, yeah, no, I agree. So, but anyway, I mean. Hassan Houtel um has said after the game that in his own mind this this game was worse than, than the original 9-0 because of the way it kind of um the way it happened in that it was only 5-0 with with 20 minutes to go and they conceded four in the last 20 minutes. Um or sorry, was it five in the last it was five in the last twenty minutes, wasn't it? Sorry, not it was four nil yeah. at 70 minutes. Um and he even said that, you know, as as that sort of fifth and sixth goal went in, even he began to to uh, to think about that nine 0 at home to Leicester, and I just wonder how much that crept into the players' minds as well. Yeah, I mean, the
1: only thing I can think is that uh, at least the fans weren't there. Although yeah. at, at, at that point, there probably wouldn't have been many fans left anyway. But they
0: would have gone. Well, there would yeah. be plenty
1: of Man United fans still there to make
0: yeah. sure they remember it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's 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 shocking, really, because I think that since the nine nil happened against Leicester. Southampton have obviously had an extraordinary turnaround of fortunes where they had a really good end to last season. Um up until fairly recently, they'd had a really strong season so far. I know they've had a bit of a, a blip recently. Um, and we were just getting to the point where the people don't refer back to that night. Obviously, people remember it, but they don't refer back to it as a recent game that you know that is a um yeah, but you know, but it's not a discussion point anymore because it's been and gone, and Southampton are quite clearly over it. But now this has happened. I mean, how long are we going to be talking about this one now?
3: But a lot of their players are out, aren't they?
0: Well, look, yeah, it's know? worth yeah, it's worth saying they do have injuries, and they had one one maybe or two suspensions, so they were very much under strength, But you no, know, I've said They're this the before.
3: Not at all. But <laughs> no, fair, no, 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 They didn't have their top squad out.
0: Um, but, I, you know, I guess that 9-0, you know, they're still a, they've still they still got professional football players on the pitch. They shouldn't be getting 9-0. I um, appreciate that they were down to nine men by the end. But, yeah, it's I just fear for Southampton that this is going to, you know, people like Pete obviously is absolutely loving life, and I'm sure he's enjoying this discussion as well, being a Portsmouth fan. Um, but, I, you know, I do kind of feel for Southampton and, and their fans because now this is, they're reminded of this again, and they know that this is going to be float, uh, sort of thrown in their face for a long time to come.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a massive scoreline, isn't it? And to, to have it <laughs> twice in sort of one year, two years, within two seasons of each other is quite, quite something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I saw this stat that, that said that there's only been three occasions where nine goals have been scored by one team in a game and it's happened against Southampton two of those three times. And it was four United twice. Uh, Yes, because it was against Ipswich, wasn't it? Was it 9-1 against Ipswich? Yeah, all those years ago. So, yeah, it's it's not a stat that um, Southampton will be particularly proud of. But uh, let's talk about Man United then. we obviously, as a result of the way the fixtures fell and Monday's failed recording, we've kind of missed um, discussing two quite disappointing results, in particular the loss to Sheffield United just over a week or so ago, um, but also the result at the weekend against Arsenal for, for different reasons. But a performance like this, regardless of the circumstances, um, should still be something that United are extremely pleased about and really need to build upon.
1: Yeah. I um, mean, <laughs> if we that's the thing, I just want to another run of form i don't want to be sort of up and down and i think that's what he's got to do if we can get a result against everton um i can't remember who the game is after i think it's like newcastle or something but if we can just keep picking up form um because at the end of the day i don't don't think as nice as it would be to win the title i think top four is still our our main aim and i'll be very happy if we can finish top four
0: yeah so yeah you got everton next um and then West Brom is your next Premier League game, but obviously the uh, the kickabout derby next Tuesday. How you how you feeling ahead of that one?
1: Um. Well, both teams are in pretty good form at the They've
0: moment. They got Jay
3: Ling's they? now, so like, he
1: won't be able to play. I don't think. Oh no! I just, should imagine play. there's
2: a, a clause
3: gonna... that says
1: he can't play. Hmm. That's nice. <laughs> But, I'm, sure uh, love, I'm sure he would absolutely love to play against us. I would fucking love
0: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just wanted to also talk about um shy for a second. I, I know we've we've talked about him a lot over the season and I don't want to be that person that changes their mind on somebody every five minutes, but I do think it's important to keep an open mind when there's you know new evidence or or new things happening. Um and I just the more and more I watch this and I've not really given this too much thought over the past is that I just tactically, I just, I think he's really bad. I really do. And I think his good players have been bailing him out for a long time. Um, And I, yeah, just from a tactical point of view, I just don't think he's any good.
1: Yeah. um, And I, I would, I'd completely agree. I mean, I say to you every week that he sends the, he sends his players out with the same tactic every game. Um, makes the same substitutions every game at the same time every game only thing I would say that against Southampton he did actually have the initiative to take um, I can't remember who he brought off but he brought two players it was Cavani and Rashford I believe Uh, he brought off at half time to save them for the Everton game which I thought was good Um, but I mean we were fought up against Southampton and they had a red card so that's the only reason obviously he's done that if if it had been a tight game, he would have waited till the eighty fifth minute to change it.
0: But. <laughs> yeah, I mean but yeah. The, the best the best managers of the of this world, you know, the Guardiolas, the Klops, Mourinho's, the David Moyes um, makes <laughs> they make changes when they see issues, right? So uh, tweaks to formations when they see things happening, substitutions, sometimes really early ones. I mean, we've seen some managers. I know Mourinho's done it on several occasions. Who will make a change like 30 or 40 minutes into the first half for tactical reasons. And I just don't see Solskjaer ever doing that. I don't know if it's lack of tactical awareness, lack of cojones for want of a better expression. I just don't see him doing that. No.
1: Yeah, like you said, I don't know if it's tactical awareness. He just doesn't like quite have it. Or if he's, you know, he doesn't want to upset anybody um, by bringing them off. But that's the thing. He doesn't, no matter how the game's going, he doesn't change anything. He just sort of, Sits there and and hopes for the best. It, it, that's what it seems like. And I never see you see Klopp, you see Mourinho, you see Guardiola. They're stood on the touchline like the full ninety minutes, and they're animated the full ninety minutes. I hardly ever see Solskjaer on the touchline. He's always sat in his chair watching like a spectator. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I I genuinely don't know um, how United are going to finish the season. I mean that if they can they sustain a title push um or whether they will kind of fade away and uh you know end up scraping into the top four or finishing there comfortably but in my head i just i, I don't see that ollie is that man to take them forward to being the, the kind of the manchester united that kind of everyone expects them to be i know that's that's silly because they've not been that side for a long long time now um but i guess that the board does deserve some credit for sticking with him um you know, we, we, we've seen examples, you know, Lampard being the obvious one where the, the the managers with lack of experience don't or aren't given enough time to kind of really get things right. And and in fairness to Solskjaer, he does seem to have a very happy camp there at the moment. Um, but it just you know, it feels like there's there's a step needed to, to take Manchester United just to that little next level. It's not a big step because obviously the, the players are definitely there. Um, the confidence is there at the moment. So it's not a huge step, but I just, uh, yeah, I just don't think he's capable of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, one thing I would say in Solskjaer's favour, I don't think there's a single player in that team that dislikes him or doesn't want to play for him. I think every player goes out there, you know, wanting to play for Solskjaer. Um, Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I I don't think we'll win a title under Solskjaer. But as long as I see improvement every season, that's, for now, that is the main thing. If we start to you know, fall out of the Champions League places and start to go back down to Europa League, fifth, sixth, then I think his time is up. You know, if we're, we finished third last season, if we can finish second this season, I'll be happy. If yeah. we finish third again, I'll be happy.
2: Um, For me, I
0: mean, the, the biggest change that I'd like to see from Solskjaer is that approach to uh, the games when he comes up against the big teams. I want to see him try and take the... Uh, you know, take a more positive approach to those games and get on the front foot, go at these teams and, um, you know, especially teams like Arsenal. I know we, we we talked about it on Monday, but for me, Arsenal are not a team that you need to go and sit back against. You know, they're not that good anymore. Uh, yes, they've got players that can hurt you, but so is every team in this division. Um,
1: yeah, other than the Liverpool, other than the um, FA Cup game where we won 3-2, we've only scored one goal against the big six teams this season.
0: Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think, and in a lot of those games, you look at the Man City game, you look at the Chelsea game, uh, the Arsenal game, the first game against Liverpool, the, the opposition teams have all adopted less positive um, tactical setups as you might have thought they would. And again, I just feel like, you know, Shy, if he'd have read that situation and thought, you know what, these boys are, have come here also to do the same thing and try and not concede. Let's, let's go and have a go. Um, well, and,
1: Last season we beat City... It was like three times because the way we play, it just it absolutely matched like how City play in terms of you know, they come at us and attack, we sit back and we counter. And as soon as Guardiola sort of got his head around it, he can now counteract it because he's yeah. that good of a manager. But the problem is Solskjaer then can't think, oh, okay, they've they've figured us out, we need to try something different. I mean, the way I see it, he's like, well, it worked before. We've just got to keep trying it, but it's, it's just not like that.
0: Yeah. But, um anyway let's um let's move on let's move on to Liverpool against Brighton and I guess more examples of this crazy season that we're having you know on we talked on Monday about how London uh, sorry, Liverpool have had these two massive results in London against Spurs and West Ham they won both of them three one um, looked pretty impressive in both of those games and everyone's kind of saying you know they've weathered the storm they're back in the hunt and then they followed up a home defeat against Burnley with a very limp performance and a defeat to Brighton.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's two home defeats in a row after going, I, can't, I don't know. Like 60? 168, I think. It was so ridiculous, is <laughs> not it? No, it was,
0: I think it was uh, 68 Premier League home games. Oh, um, 68. And I think, yeah, the, the record I think was Chelsea about 84, 85, something like that. Um
3: that to then lose to Burnley and then Brighton.
0: Yeah. Weird. I mean, you you know, if they if they got beat at home by, you know, City, Chelsea, you know, you could sort of say, fair enough. But to get beaten by those two teams, there's got to be a bit of a kick in the teeth when you've had a run that's been going on for that long. Um, but, I mean, overall, what, what do we make of this Liverpool side? I mean, the, the game itself, uh, Liverpool were very abject in. Are, are injuries finally kind of catching up with them a little bit? <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. No, I, d- I don't think it's easy to keep saying and blaming it on the injuries. I mean, yes, obviously that plays a massive part, but I feel like Liverpool have got more than enough players to get by without the likes of Gomez and Van Dijk. Because other than those two, have they really got any other
0: major injuries? Uh, I mean, the, the problem is they've had players in and out of the side, which I think hasn't helped because historically they've had a very settled side. And settled sides do tend to perform better than um, than teams that are being chopped and changed every week, unless you're, you know, a, a team with the amount of depth that, say, Man City have. Um, but I, I I sort of do agree with you on 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 that, because, you know, they've had Mane, Firmino and Salah for the vast bulk of this season. I know Mane's had one or two injuries here and there, and he's currently injured at the moment. Um you know they've they've had good periods of time where they've had Fabinho in the side. They've got Henderson. They've had uh Wijnaldum, Thiago. You know these are all world class players. So I, the, the, there is something else going on. And I I, I um we'll come onto it in a minute because I've got a friend of mine who's a Liverpool fan. I'll tell you guys what uh, what he made of it, but. it... Liverpool only had one shot on target in this entire game, which is the first time that has happened in four years at home. Um, but it's, I guess it's important to say that Brighton made that stat possible. You know, it's not all down to Liverpool being poor. Brighton themselves were very, very good. And even the shot that they did have was a long-range effort from Oxlade-Chamberlain that sort of limped through to the goalkeeper. So that's 348 minutes now of um, of home football without a goal for Liverpool which is which is a problem so uh yeah so just touching on a friend of mine so um he he sort of said that you know liverpool have obviously had huge amounts of success over the last few years and he said that liverpool to me just look mentally physically just quite tired a dip in form was inevitable um i i have to say i think i agree i think this is you know they've been so consistent and so Amazing of these last three years that they've almost been a victim of their own success. They've only lost four games this year. Less, you know it's not like they're in a crisis. I just think maybe they're victims of their own incredible success.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think especially the way that they played last season, they were absolute titans. So I think everybody pretty much expected exactly the same this season for them to almost run away with it and maybe City hot on their heels. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, they're still obviously a great team, uh, but the spotlight's on them a lot more this season.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, we are in a very different season with the fans not being around and stuff. So it's, you know, it, it's it's not unfair to say that uh, Liverpool would perhaps be a little better if they had a full crowd there singing you never walk alone and they've got the cop behind them. I think that will play a part as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, a friend of mine uh, another friend of mine is a Manchester United fan actually he also said that he thinks it's still too dangerous to write Liverpool off just yet um, and he thinks that they're still in the game Um, do you guys think that or are you seeing too many signs from Liverpool at the moment that they're perhaps just not quite up to that challenge this year and maybe a bit of reorganisation and maybe another recruit or two in the summer and then have a real go out again next year no
3: I felt like he'd be an idiot to write them off like look at this league like Loads of people were writing in, uh, City off at the start of the season, and now they're like ahead of everyone. I genuinely believe you'd be an idiot to write them off.
1: I think you'd be an idiot to write anybody in the top eight off, to be honest.
3: Yeah, look at West Ham. They could win it.
0: Wow, well, Irene, mean, I didn't want to say it, but since you've touched on it, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, Leicester. To... <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah lester there i mm-hmm. mean yes i think you i think i do think you're right i mean i was just i was just posting that question there in uh, to start a conversation rather than suggesting that that's my belief as well i also think that liverpool uh, you know if they suddenly go on run a five six games you know and they win all five or six of them even if they're not that convincing with in these wins all of a sudden you know that the the narrative completely changes so um And as you say, it has changed so many times this season already. So let's definitely not write them off just yet. Um, One final point on Liverpool. I just wanted to touch on Thiago. Um, Obviously a fantastic player, no doubt about that on the ball, he's, he's very, very good. But do you think there's a case of sometimes that he's just, he's passing the ball a bit too much? I know that sounds stupid to say, but I just wonder if that free-flowing attacking football that we associate with Liverpool is being stunted a little bit with Thiago wanting to just sort of play that possession game a bit too much.
2: Yeah, it's,
1: in, it's sort of slowing down the, uh, the build-up there.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know whether I'm being unfair. I, just, I watched him, obviously, against West Ham last weekend. And, you know, the 3-1 result was... Um, I don't know if it was flattering or not. West Ham certainly didn't deserve to win. Liverpool definitely deserved to win the game, but it took three moments of absolute quality from Liverpool uh, to, to get the win. And when Tiago was getting the ball, I mean, he played one or two nice passes, but there was a lot of sideways and backwards passes from him. And I just felt like, you know, Liverpool are not the side to just keep possession for the sake of it. They're much more um, attack focused than that. And, I just I don't know I don't know if that's a Klopp thing or whether that's Thiago instigating that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess they've not really had a player like him for a while, have they? I mean, they've last season they had like sort of Jordan Henderson um, sat in the middle, and he's he's not got quite the the passing range that Thiago has, and I guess they are very A to B in terms of turning the defence into attack. So yeah, I, I don't really know. I don't know if he's improved the side or not. It's hard to tell because obviously they have had these injuries and they are a slightly different team to last season. So I don't think you can say that he's had a negative impact on the team. But
0: yeah, no, it was just you know I saw some comments flying around and then when I thought back to the West Ham game, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, is there something there or not? So, uh, but yeah, I guess we maybe we'll keep a keep an eye on him and see how Liverpool fare with him in the side in the coming weeks. Uh, let's talk Brighton just very very quickly. I mean what a result this is in their fight against the drop. This was obviously a very unexpected win, a little bit like Burnley coming to to Anfield as well. Um, And this is huge for them.
1: Yeah, and especially on the back of having beaten Tottenham as well. You know, it's not just like a a smash and grab or a one-hit wonder. You know, they've, they've done it twice in a row now, so I've got to say fair play to them.
0: Yep, um, six points from two games that you wouldn't have really expected them to get anything from. Um, and, and this result. I mean, we've had a, a, an up in form from Burnley recently. Newcastle just showing a little bit of fight in them. You know, they got a good reason against Everton recently, and they ran Palace very close, who themselves needed to win when Palace beat Newcastle 2-1 uh, this week. Um what this all is, is very bad news for West Brom, Fulham, and Sheffield United.
1: Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think Brighton are too good to go down to the championship. I have got the, I think they've got more quality than the other three teams. I really do think those bottom three teams are doomed, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you say, this wasn't a fluke result. This is very hard-earned by Brighton. And I do watch Brighton sometimes. And, I, you know, the way Graham Potter has got them playing, and sometimes I think that, is, is this side just one kind of proper goal scorer away from being a much more established sort of mid-table team?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because at the moment, a lot of their goal scoring is all down to um, Neil mope Yeah. I'm probably wrong. Um, but I mean, the Trossard's a good player. Um, but other than that, I mean, going forward, I can't really think of too many... I'd say one of their biggest attacking threats is Lamptey and he's a right back, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, Connolly's had periods where he's been good in games. He sort of burst onto the scene a little bit last year, but, <clears throat> excuse me, hasn't done huge amounts this season. Um... But uh, yeah, I I just really appreciate the way they play. I mean, they're confident on the ball. They play it around on the deck. They don't really seem to compromise on that style, even when they were in much sort of deeper relegation trouble than they are right now. And I think that's massively commendable because it would have been very easy to just sort of, not necessarily panic, that's the wrong word, but you know, go much more direct in the hope to snatch results. And, and they don't, they just, they stick to their ethos, they stick to their game plan and um, it's slowly beginning to pay dividends for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's, who's their um their goalkeeper? Is it like Fernandez or something? Um,
0: let's have if a quick
1: right look. Team. If it's Fernandez, <laughs> then I've got the right. If if not, then just completely ignore me.
0: Um, it is Robert Sanchez. Sanchez, yeah, I'm the
1: right. Yeah, he's. I've watched him last couple of games. He's actually looks really good. It's like a very good goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, I, I, I say I think I think that. They've got great players to play the way they're playing, and Graham Potter needs a, a huge amount of credit for that. Defensively, they've always been pretty difficult to break down. Um, you very rarely see Brighton ever get smashed three, four, five nil. Um, but it's just the, the, at the other end. You know, they've had games earlier on in the season where they played so, so well, um, but they just don't. I mean, a little bit like against West Ham, they did the same thing. They kept the ball really well and they created one or two openings. And then as it got into that final third, it just all broke down so I think there is a lot of reason to be um, sort of semi-optimistic cautiously optimistic perhaps for Brighton because of the you know the fact they are down in the bottom reaches of the table but yeah if if they can stumble across a goal scorer whether it's bringing in um, you know someone from their youth academy bringing another player obviously they've just signed uh, Moises Caicedo who is a midfielder but you know he might be able to push them forward and get some goals from midfield. Yeah, I think I think they could end up as a mid-table side this year. I mean they you know looking at the table now they are only um what are we 7 points away from 10th place now which is Arsenal. So it's uh, it's it's looking positive for them right now.
1: I feel like Josh King could have been a good signing for them. And he for
0: would have been Brighton. available pretty cheap as well. So I mean Brighton historically not huge spenders but yeah, Josh King should have been within their budget, you would think. Yeah. I mean, how much did he go to Everton for? Do you know? Because I've not actually seen it a says price.
2: undisclosed. Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah, not sure. Um, obviously, Danny Welbeck um, is at Brighton. He has the potential to score goals in there, but you're never quite sure from an injury point of view whether he's going to be with you, uh, you know, for, um, for extended he's... periods of games mm-hmm. in a season.
2: He's
1: not necessarily old. He's just, he's like a a Jack Wilshere. He's the striker version of Jack (laughs) Wilshere.
0: Right. Um, On that note, let's take a quick break then. After the break, we're going to talk some more Premier League stuff. Uh, We're going to go through um, Pete's um, comment on Facebook about Southampton, which I'm sure everyone is waiting for. Um, And then we will have our final quiz round and we'll see who comes out on top in this historic battle on Football With Fran. See you in a minute. (laughs) everybody and welcome back to the show so as always let's dive into our listener segment um so for the first time as we heard earlier we did have a couple of twitter comments but uh, as per usual main man pete um let us know what he thought on facebook so um fran what's pete been saying this week
3: let me just find it one second
0: <laughs> preparation that is fine it's finest. love it uh,
3: preparation so- is key um, are we sure Ralph Hasenhutl is an Australian? His favourite show seems to be Home and Away.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> such a bad joke. <laughs>
3: um, I could talk all evening about how much of a dusted joke the club Southampton are, but let's get into the juice. Chris, uh, we're going to struggle to get many points out of our first eight games, quote marks. I just don't see how Lingard fits in the team, quote marks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh,
3: West Ham had another dominant performance against a great uh, Aston Villa side. Lingard was so confident in the centre. He took Grealish for a walk without a
0: lead. Thoughts? Um, Well, I mean... I uh, I I will at, f- at first I will say that my tactic of talking shit about West Ham is working perfectly. Um because I yes I did say at the start of the season that I didn't see us getting many points in the first eight games and I also said that I didn't see how Jesse Lingard was going to fit in the team. Um and obviously, here we are five games uh, sorry uh, fifth position in the league after 22 games with 38 points um which I think is almost I think 1 point fewer than we got in the entirety of last season. So um, yes, very much, pre- very much prepared and very happy to eat my words. I should add as well.
3: Good. Um, Man United should be named Cavani FC. What a signing he is turning out to be, albeit playing a washed-up Liverpool beating. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> he couldn't help but have another little dig, could he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cavani's
1: been. Great. Since we've, I mean, I was very sort of apprehensive about the signing, but he has been great for us. If anything, I, I think we would be called Luke Shaw FC this season.
0: Yeah, he's having a cracking season. Do you know, the one thing I like about Cavani is, you know, not the fact that he is finding the back of the net, um, and I think he's what six goals. I think he's got a few now. But I saw a clip the other uh, earlier on today, actually, of how he how he talks with the rest of the team. He is he's acting almost like a coach on the pitch. Um, And yeah, he was really sort of getting deep into sort of tactical stuff with with Rashford and sort of like saying to him, you know, you could see with his hand gestures, he was telling him about runs and bits and pieces. Um, And I feel like that is as much of a benefit to Manchester United as his goal scoring is.
1: Yeah, I mean, against uh, Liverpool in the FA Cup, it was Bruno Fernandes free kick. It was Cavani that told him to go the goalkeeper's side rather than go over the wall
0: yeah it's uh, i think he he has turned out to be you know a very positive signing i think everybody was slightly apprehensive about cavani coming in you know he's not getting any younger it did f- have that feel that it was a bit of a panic buy but you know in fairness it's it's working out he's working really hard he's creating chances he's scoring goals um so yeah i think it's it's a signing that's worked out rather than one that's flopped for definite
2: yeah 100%
3: chelsea looked much improved under tt's possession game just need to focus on hitting the barn, let alone the barn door against Spurs who are in a slump after they won the league in November. Maybe <laughs> another
2: one <another> incoming. Uh
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were discussing during the break how I mean Chelsea are actually currently won the lap against Spurs at the moment, thanks to a penalty from Jorginho. Um both teams obviously have had massive stutters in their season. Um Spurs seem to be very firmly still stuck in theirs Um, I don't don't know I I think that for me the jury is still very much out on Tushel at Chelsea Um, there have been definite signs of improvement don't get me wrong Um, but I think that you know we've seen new manager bounces in a lot of teams um so you know let's not get too carried away just yet let's see how he performs over the sort of the next dozen games if they continue to play well and win games and improve and climb back up the league then absolutely we can say it's a success but I think right now um bearing in mind you know if you look at the teams that the uh sorry the teams that they've played um since since he came in I mean they've played Wolves and drawn nil-nil and they've played Burnley so let's let's not get too carried away just yet
1: yeah, I think uh, tonight's game will be uh, more of a, an indicator of what sort of direction Tuchel is going to be taking Chelsea in. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a shame actually that um, you know what happened on Monday happened because actually it's a game that I would have quite liked to have watched. Um, you know, Spurs need to get a win to get back to winning ways and obviously there was still that, as we say, that question about how Tuchel getting on at Chelsea and what's changed. So it is a shame that I won't be able to see it, but I will watch the, uh, the highlights with a lot of interest. Mm um
3: and then just some stuff about Portsmouth really
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah thanks for that, Pete um who continues to be uh, a massive um uh advocate and and how do i put this marketing department for us with, with sharing everything around so it's hugely appreciated Pete and we will get you on the show uh at, at some point in the not too distant future um, so let's get back into some premier league chat then let's talk um, Aston Villa against West Ham so um, fifth place we've now won 6 of the last 7 all competitions with the only defeat coming from Liverpool form wise mm. we're the second best team in the league we've got Lingardinho in the squad now playing well things are things are looking pretty rosy right now for West Ham aren't they
2: yeah
1: um not think i don't think anyone would have thought that West Ham would be up where they are and i think it, you can start sort of looking at it now it's not you know it's not as if you're five games in or, you know, 10 games in. We're over halfway through the season now. So if the teams sort of keep it as they are going now, then I think West Ham will be very happy.
0: Yeah. And I I think that you're absolutely right. If After the first eight games, and I appreciate what I said, I think that it's, as you say, everyone can have those early runs where things are looking really good. You know, you look at Southampton, how well they started the season, and they're now in 12th place, having lost uh, four of their last five games. So it can quite easily peter away leads are the same they've been quite up and down recently so for us to have maintained that good runner form um, and if anything got better it's it's a real testament to the squad and to what david moyes is doing um one one player who continues to impress is thomas uh Salcek. um his figures per goals minutes are, uh, his stats sorry, are, are incredible. He's got a goal every 247 minutes in the Premier League, which is better than um, Son, who has a goal every 285. Grealish 299 and Aubameyang at 309. So bearing in mind, he's, you know, new to the Premier League. He's only been here a year. He's playing in uh, in a West Ham team that's not been scoring that many goals this year. We've not been shy away from the goal, but we've not been scoring that many goals. But his all-round play, he, he's been very impressive this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he came straight from the Czech Republican League, didn't he? I know, I think he was on loan last season or whatever he was, but it's not as if he's come from like a La Liga team or something like that.
0: Yeah, he was player Slavia Prague, I believe, in the team he came from, as, as did uh, fellow teammate Vladimir Sufal, um, who also did one hell of a job on Grealish last night as well. I mean, he kept Grealish very, very quiet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, both... Um, Two great gems there, so you've got whoever scattered those two has done a very good job.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering whether there's any other players we can steal from them because clearly they're becoming a if we can turn them into some kind of feeder club, that'd be amazing. (laughs) Sorry, but no, yeah, wolves with the entire country of Portugal, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there were no passengers in that game last night for West Ham. I mean, we—I we, felt like we dominated the game and very rightly got the win, which we deserved. Uh, Dean Smith even said afterwards that you know the the, the right team won the game. Um, Antonio played well, even though he didn't score again. Fredericks came in and did a really good job. I feel like he was brought in to double up on Grealish, but also offer. Um, a bit of pace down the flank as well and as you say the longer this season goes on we you know West Ham play 22 games now um, as mentioned we're one point away from our entire tally from last season at what point do the expectations shift from just a nice steady mid-table finish to actually you know, we should be aiming for Europa League now
1: yeah I do think I mean last season I thought um, West Ham would be aiming for top 10 but obviously they they started very poorly and it didn't end that way. But I, I think the way that they're playing at the moment, I think sort of seventh, sixth, seventh place is definitely what they should be aiming for.
0: But there's yeah, just so I-
1: much in this season. It's going to be very difficult.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you're still looking around the team as you know, you've got Everton and Spurs, they've got a couple of games in hand. Uh, Chelsea have got a game in hand. Aston Villa have got a couple of games in hand, although their form has been pretty hit and miss recently. So, it, w- it would be quite nice from, from my point of view as a West Ham fan for everybody to get onto the same number of played games so that you get a feel for actually how the table is right now because if all of those teams behind us won their games in hand then potentially we're you know we're 6th or 7th or maybe even 8th depending on results rather mm. than 5th so um, but yeah, long way to continue. We've got games against Fulham next and then Sheffield United in the league. So, you know, a real opportunity to get six more points there and, and keep that push going for Europe. The the only thing that's kind of lingering in my mind uh, and, and a lot of West Ham fans is is not signing a striker in January. Do you, do you think that could potentially come back and bite West Ham? I
1: think so, because I think when Antonio is playing, he's a very good player and uh, you can see the difference he makes in that team. But... You know, players get injuries, and especially this season, there's going to be a lot of injuries. Um, and You've I got d- Jay Lings now? Yeah, he's not a striker, <laughs> though. He had a great game. And um, I don't know if you saw what Danny Murphy said about Lingard.
0: Uh, I didn't know. I, I, I never quite got that far in the in match of the day. Okay, he said uh, it'll be good for him being a, a big fish in a little pond. Little prick. All oh, right, I'm not watching that now. <laughs> but anyway on the on the topic of jesse lingard he obviously is the one that's going to grab all the headlines uh in or did grab the headlines in today's papers um w- were you just as surprised as everybody else at how well he performed
1: uh, i was surprised that he started to be honest i really didn't think he'd go straight into the starting lineup um especially as he's not played i mean i think he's played two games for united this season and neither of them were starts i don't think so i was surprised yeah. at that and like
2: Sorry,
1: call, carry on. That, yeah sorry yeah and even more surprised that he sort of hit the ground running and scored two goals but i'm happy for him I, you know i don't wish any ill on him but i do hope that he can pick up his career again because i do think that on his day he's a very good player
0: yeah and i think I, I mean like you i was very surprised to see him jump straight into that starting lineup i think it was quite opportunistic for Moyes because um bowen and four are two players that work incredibly hard as do a lot of the players in the west ham team but those two perhaps more so than others because of the, the roles in which they play in the team. So I think it was, it was tactically quite a good call from Moyes as it turned out to be, to give those two players a bit of a rest. Um, Fredericks did really well on the right. And obviously Lingard and Ben Rama, but, you know, sort of like they floated on that left-hand side. Not, it didn't seem like one of them was a, a set out left, left winger. They were sort of like sw- swapping positions between there and Cam. And um yeah, I thought I thought Lingard from moment one, he was brilliant. He was positive. Um, he gave us that little bit of extra quality in that, in that uh, number 10 role that he kept picking up. You know, every time he got the ball, he was on the turn trying to go at the defence. And yeah, if he continues playing like that, then you know, this is going to turn into quite the signing for West Ham, I think.
1: So you, when we spoke last night, um, you said that you thought that he was playing Lingard because he wanted to rest like four hours and um, Bowen for the weekend. So do you think... You know, does he play those two now, or does he stick with Lingard?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think he ha- he has to play Lingard. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. I, I I did think when I looked at that starting lineup, and I thought to myself, you know, this is a a good opportunity to rest those other two players. He's probably looking at this game tonight, thinking this is going to be tough. They're a good side. Let's see how things go. We can bring them off the bench if we need, but let's make sure we don't get beat. You know, let's if we if we nick a point, we can move on, and then you know, and try target wins against Fulham and Sheffield United but the way things are played, and even Fredericks to a certain degree, because I thought he was very good last night as well. Um, they've both given David Moyes a real headache ahead of this weekend. So it's, it's, um, his starting lineup is going to be quite interesting. I suspect he'll start Lingard, but I suspect Fredericks will probably step out for Bowen would be my guess. Mm. So, yeah. yeah
2: we'll, uh, we'll, we'll...
1: Sorry, I don't, I don't think he wants to start causing unrest by leaving out players that have been very reliable this season for sort of players that have just come in?
0: No, I don't think so. But it, it does appear to me that there is a really good camaraderie in the group. And I think everyone is buying into this, um, uh, this way of playing with Moyes and this sort of like brand of football. I mean, even players like Lanzini and Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko you know, is an established international footballer of good talent. Um, Lanzini, all right, he hasn't been at his best for the last sort of 18 months since he had his bad knee injury. But these are two players that in other teams would command a starting place. And mm. they're barely getting on the pitch. And yet I'm not hearing a single murmur coming out of the camp of of unrest and people getting upset that they're not playing. So it's uh, it's a very happy place to be. Um and uh, yeah, long may it continue. But the, the one question I just wanted to touch on, I I can't remember if I asked you this last week or whether I asked you this on Monday. When the signing uh, after the signing had happened, Solskjaer has very clearly stated that this is a loan and a loan only. There is no option to buy in this contract, in this loan, in this loan deal, should I say? Solskjaer has indicated that he wants Jesse Lingard to go here. He wants to, him to enjoy his football. He wants him to sort of rekindle his career and get his passion back. If that does happen, let's just say for, uh, for hypothetically here that Lingard spends the rest of the season performing really, really well for, for West Ham. Do you see a situation that even if that happens that he gets back in that United side next season?
1: Um, well, I saw some interesting rumours this morning that um, United might want to do a swap deal for Declan Rice. So I'd be quite interested in that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that would very much test the um, uh, the wherewithal with, uh, with West Ham. But I... Even if Lingard has an outstanding season, I can't see them getting rid really of Rice. They would be riots amongst the West Ham fans if they did that.
2: Yeah,
1: and um, going back to your question, uh, to be honest, he plays as a as a can, and we've got Bruno Fernandez. And would I ever consider swapping Bruno for Lingard? No, I wouldn't.
0: No, and I, I I don't think anybody would, frankly. Um, you know, as as good as Lingard may or may not be for the rest of the season, you know, the, the job Fernandez is doing for United right now in terms of his his goals, his assists, his all-round play, I mean, you would need rocks in your head to drop Fernandez for Lingard, I think. I mean, if, um,
1: Lingard, if Lingard was sort of, you know, 19, 20, 21, then I'd consider it, but the fact that he's 28, he's getting towards the end of his prime, Um. so I, th- I think his time at United is done, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I-, I wonder whether it was more the way in which Solskjaer said it, I suspect it was more a way of Trying to A, entice Lingard to do well, but also potentially to bring his value up. Um, yeah, when- I mean,
1: you don't, you don't sort of send a player out on loan and say, yeah, there's no chance that he'll ever play for United again. Because <laughs> uh, he said, he even said about Phil Jones that, you know, he wants to get him fit and he wants to get him playing again, but I can't see Phil Jones ever stepping into the United team again.
0: I yeah. Think <laughs> it would be very out of character for Solskjaer to sort of say those sorts of things as well. You know, he is this nice guy. He doesn't, he very, very rarely ever throws his players under the bus. So yeah, yeah, I I I think that it's, I think it's just Solskjaer being nice, frankly. (laughs) So, right. um, Just very quickly on Villa, not a great deal to say about Villa as things stand. They certainly weren't at the races uh, on this occasion, that could be down to West Ham playing very, very well. But there were still some positives here that I saw. I mean, Ollie Watkins looked lively all night and took his goal really well. Um, do you think that Villa... Like, where is their realistic aim? Seeing how they've been performing recently, do you think that Europa League is probably just a step too far for them?
1: I think so. I think for this season... I mean, to be honest, if I'm a Villa fan, I'd be happy with like finishing mid-table because after the season they had last season... Obviously they'd just come up and they just about escape relegation. I'd be more than happy of escape relegation comfortably and finish in mid-table. And then next season with the players they have, they build upon it and try and sort of fight for that top ten place, maybe knocking on the door of Europa League. But I think, you know, if they got into the Europa League this season, they'd be in trouble with the amount of games they'd be playing next season with the squad they have.
0: Yeah, they would definitely need some investment there. Um, and then talking of next season, obviously, you know, you talked there about them wanting to push on and potentially aim for knocking on the door of the Europa League next season. Do you think that Grealish is likely to still be at Aston Villa player next season? Um, I think it depends on the
1: teams that are interested in them. I mean, I'd love to have them at United, but... You know, the fee that Aston Villa are asking for, they're asking for 80 million. I just don't know how many teams have the money to spend 80 million on one player at the moment.
3: How much did you spend on Harry Maguire?
1: I know, but that wasn't during COVID.
3: No, 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 I get that,
1: but... Yeah, but I mean, during COVID times, I don't think teams are going to be looking at spending 80 million on one player. I think they're going to be trying to find a few more hidden gems. Because, um, I mean, we... Depends we, we, they are. Well, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we obviously, we refused to buy Sancho um in the summer so i can't see maybe you know a team like a team like chelsea or something like that um oh, or city well, i just don't know whether they would need grealish with the players they've got so i would like to see him at a bit a bigger club i think it would be good for his career and for his england career but i just don't know how many teams could afford him
0: yeah i mean he he signed a new deal not long ago i believe with grealish so i think that contractually he's tied to to villa for a number of years yet um and he he openly loves Aston Villa he's obviously a a big fish there he's he's team captain he's playing probably the best football of his career uh, but yeah i think you i think you're right i think in the current state of affairs with the world football and financial situation that's going on i think there are going to be very few clubs who are going to want to pay 80 90 million for jack guerrero which is, is it that's what it's going to cost them because he is a player with a lot of talent and a big big future um so yeah, I don't if, if United are not prepared to pay that money for Sancho, I highly doubt they're gonna pay it for Grealish.
2: Yeah. Um, no, that's- <laughs>
0: So, but anyway, that's that's good news for Villa fans because it means that he is more than likely to stay, um, and hopefully, it's the, for the same reason. That will be why Declan Rice stays as well, with a bit of luck. So we'll uh, we'll see how that happens in the summer. Um, last game we're going to talk about then from the Premier League is Wolves against Arsenal, and another game with with two red cards in it. Let's start with David Luiz's red card, uh, and it's important to say here that unlike um Bednarak's one for southampton david louise's one has been upheld so he will still continue to serve the suspension that's tied to this red card uh, i mean i'll be honest when i saw the red card for him when i when i looked at the score and i saw that louise had been sent off i mean i think most people like in you know if they saw that would have just assumed it was some kind of ridiculous david louise challenge or you know handball or something stupid like that but i have to say i in a, in a very similar way to Bednarak's one, I'm I'm very much on the fence with this one. I, I cannot see how you can realistically send someone off for something as accidental as, as this.
1: For me, Bednarak's one is worse than David Luiz's one because Bednarak has gone for it and then pulled out at the last second, whereas David Luiz is literally just running behind, uh, I think it's that William Jose, and as William Jose's leg comes up, it clips David Luiz's knee. I mean, David Luiz knows about much about it as william jose does so how they've decided that that one is staying as a red card and bed has been ruled out is beyond me
0: yeah i i, I just can't fathom it um and uh, you know i think i don't think it's not a penalty because it's one of those ones where if that happens out on the pitch you, a free kick is given for it all the time um so by that by that uh by that logic it has to be a penalty i think we you know you can you can get into that conversation where People will say, you know, sometimes you see a lot of argy-bargy in the box, and often those things aren't given as fouls, but they are if it's on the halfway line because there's, it's an easier decision for the referee to give because there's less implication. But with this, again, as you say, I just can't see how they've looked at that. When David Louise is not in any way, shape, or form interested in making a tackle, he's simply just trying to run back and chase um, how they decide that's a red card. I just, I just don't get it at all.
1: I, th- I think it's 100% a penalty, but I think that's where you draw the line. It's, it's a penalty. I mean, I'd, if they'd given me a yellow card, I'd have been like, well, that's a little bit harsh, but I can sort of maybe understand. But for it to be a red card, I think that's worse. Unforgivable, to be
2: honest.
0: Yeah. And I, I, it goes back to the conversation we had earlier about the, uh, the intent to, um, uh, to tackle somebody. I you know, we should, in my, in my opinion, we should treat it in the same way we would treat anything else on the pitch. So, for example, the challenge from um uh the the 19 year old for Southampton, I can't remember what his name is now. I'm just scrolling back up through my notes to find it. Yankovitz, that was his name. Um, you know, his his challenge was a red card all day long. Those sorts of challenges are absolutely a red cards wherever they happen on the pitch. Um, but if that happens, if David Louise's challenge or even Bednarak's challenge happens anywhere else on the pitch, it's not even a yellow, it's a foul, nothing else. So why is it so different in the box? Um when it's a penalty it just doesn't make sense to me
1: i don't know if it's if it's the referees understanding of the if it is literally just the referee following the letters of the law
0: yeah you could be right it could be just the way the rules are written um and hopefully that you know we've seen so many examples of not just this situation but also the, the way the offside is dealt with with var and you know a few other bits and pieces here and there I feel like football, you know, we need to evolve with the technology and I feel like we're not. And and I've just got this horrible feeling that, you know, a raft of rule changes are going to come in in the summer because they do all the time, especially at the moment with VAR where they're desperately trying to make things right. I've just got this horrible feeling that it's going to get worse before it gets better.
1: I'd honestly be, I'd honestly be over the moon if they scrapped VAR. I, I really like the goal line technology. I think that was very much needed and that's proven a success, but VAR is, I think people talk about VAR more than they talk about football nowadays. And it's just, it's just beyond a joke and it's laughable and I'm, I'm just bored of it
0: yeah I, I mean i still i don't think it's unsalvageable here i think var still does have a place but i think that it should only be used in very specific circumstances so for example with offside I, I still think it should be used for offside but only that there needs to be a greater level of clarity between what is classed as an offside and what isn't because the current ruling with the lines that they draw where someone's armpit hair is offside and they call it and they call it offside and cancel the goal that's ridiculous there needs to be if you say there is clear daylight between the two um or if you know 50 percent of their body is front or whatever it needs to be they, they, there is an easier way of doing that in my opinion and the technology is there to, to, to make it happen so i don't think that's um too far-fetched to assume that they can fix that um i think it should be used for things like mistaken identity so like if the referee books or sends off the wrong player and VAR spots it, I think it can be used quite, sit quite easily there. Um, and maybe, you know, we've seen some good examples of VAR being used for upgrading or downgrading yellows to reds or reds to yellows. Um, but again, it's just that <laughs> stop overcomplicating it with stupid rules and, you know, trying to tweak it within an inch of its life. Just make it simple, make the rules really easy. Um, and I think that that will make a big difference. Yes, there's still going to be contentious decisions with VAR, but then there's going to be contentious decisions if we take VAR away and go back to how it was. Um, but what we need to get away from is these ridiculous decisions um, that we've seen way too often. I think for me, when it was a human error,
1: you know, if if a goal was offside and then, but it, you know it it wasn't given as offside and there was no way of checking it, and then the goal stood. You could go back at the end of the game and they analyze and they say, oh, that should have be been given. And it's a talking point, but in some way it's forgivable because it's human error and people make mistakes. I think when there's a machine looking at it and the computer still gets it wrong, or the people looking at the computer that have got five minutes to look at it and they still get it wrong, and then it's a talking point, that's when it's unforgivable because the whole point of your job of you having all these lines and slowing it down is is to get it correct and you're still getting things wrong
0: indeed yeah um it is it's it's very frustrating um but anyway let, let's let's get back to the Wolves Arsenal uh, part of this discussion so yeah we, we've covered the um the David Luiz read um Arsenal obviously obviously they have appealed and, and it's been and turned away. Well. but the one decision that is highly unlikely to have any complaints from Arsenal is the decision to send Bert Leno off um, I mean, this this one was really one of those ones for those Christmas blooper reels, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was a uh, pretty comical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand what he was doing. I mean, in the, in the end, it was as you say, it was a comical red card. But the way he's come out and flown out, it, he's obviously he's misjudged the ball so badly, and he's he's coming out at a fair rate of knots as well.
1: And for him to, for him to think that there's a chance he could get away with it when there's like. God knows how many cameras all around the stadium being analyzed for the AR nowadays. I mean, (laughs) he literally could have just I I don't know, maybe done anything but Yeah, well, pretty much done anything but. I mean, just you know, throw your head at it or throw your chest at it. I'm not sure why he's yeah, or don't come out of your box. I'm not sure why he's decided to punch it as he's flying through the air, but there you go. It's one of those things.
0: Yeah, as you say, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those ones on the Christmas blooper reels. Um I mean, Arsenal, though, you know, they have been very much improved over the last month or so. You would say they've had some better results, much better performances, um, both individually and as a team as well. Where where do you kind of see this Arsenal team in the kind of the pecking order of the Premier League right now? I mean, is is Europa League a minimum requirement for them because of the way the league is right now? Um, I mean, even so, I mean, that's not going to be an easy target for them.
1: No, I mean, I was going to say, to be honest, I can see them struggling to get into the Europa League this season. Like I keep saying there's so much competition and uh, looking at the teams in form at the moment, I would say Arsenal were probably at the back of the pecking order in terms of um, Europa League qualification.
0: Uh, how how damaging would it be for Arsenal if they don't get Europa League, do you think?
1: Uh, very. It's going to be very hard to attract players with no European football, and especially, I mean, they're not the richest team in the world anyway, so... I can't see them having the finances to attract big players um, if they don't get European qualification. And especially, you know, it would be sponsors as well because they've not been in the Champions League for quite a few seasons now. And that takes a massive hit on your sponsorships because their, their deals would have said like after such and such years of not qualifying for the Champions League. They, you know, get reduced money, et cetera. So, yeah, so it'd be a big hit for Arsenal if they don't even qualify for the Europa League.
0: Yeah, and there's obviously a lot of TV money involved in that as well. So, yeah, it will be it will be very tricky for them because it's potentially a downward spiral from there as well. You know, Aubameyang has obviously just signed a new contract. Um, it's uh, obviously getting Ozil away from the club is is a, is a big bonus because that does free up some money that you know was being unnecessarily taken up by Ozil in the reserves. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be tricky for Arsenal. But Wolves have been equally out of sorts at times this year. This was a very important three points to them because they were just beginning to fall into that, um, you know, near relegation threats And I don't think they were ever that near. Let's clarify that. But they were getting in the realms of Newcastle Crystal Palace territory. Um, so this is a big three points to them. And, and, but they are still quite some way adrift off the um, Europa League places, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think we've almost come to sort of, Accustomed wolves with being one of those Europa League teams, haven't we? So it's quite strange to see them struggling this season. But I do think and a lot of,
3: struggling now is it just because a lot of
1: other teams have picked up their game? A uh, bit, but I think they, they're missing their main striker, which are quite a few teams have struggled with this season as well. Um, I think that's been one of the biggest hits. But yeah, you know, it could be uh, also the fact that there's a lot more competition this season than there has been in previous seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean Raul Jimenez for Wolves is a bit like Antonio for West Ham. It means that you, you take you take him out of the team and it's a it's a very big hole to fill. And uh Wolves and West Ham, frankly, don't have the depth um in, in quality up front to fill that. So you you then have to rely on your midfielders to pick up the pieces. Um but they have obviously brought in William Jose, as we mentioned earlier. Um you touched on him as the guy, uh, the player, sorry, that was brought down for the foul by David Luiz. Brought him in from Real Sociedad, which does address the striker issue. We still got no idea when Rao Jimenez is back. I mean, I, I I knew that it was a bad injury, head injury, but I didn't realize it was quite as bad as this. I mean, I, uh, Nuno has has actually said this week that he is still hopeful that he will play before the end of the season. Um, and bearing in mind, he was injured in November and end of the season, I think is targeted for the back end of May. That's a very long time. I mean, there are people who recover from ACLs in, in the same sort of time frame. Yeah, but I mean, he
1: cracked his skull, doesn't he? Which so I could see why they wouldn't want to rush him back from something like that. Cause that is,
0: oh, I mean, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Life-threatening injury, let alone a career-ending injury.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's one of because it's it's so rare to see such a serious head injury in football like that that you just kind of presume that maybe you know a few stitches, bit of a concussion, and be back in a month or something. But clearly, this was a very, very serious injury and. Uh, as you say, definitely not one to to even remotely try and rush, uh, rush back from. Um, but actually, the pick of the bunch in this game was veteran midfielder um, Moutinho. I mean, what a goal that was! Yeah, I love a goal. I mean, with, with with Moutinho in the side, do you think that? Um, I I don't really know how to put this. Should he be playing a little bit further up, do you think? I mean, he's historically, I think I'm right in saying he used to be a bit more of an attacking midfielder, but he seems to be playing a bit of a deeper role for Wolves. Um, Do you think that they would do better to push him a bit further up the pitch? Yeah,
1: I think he's sat a bit deeper due to his age. I mean, he's like 30 to pre-34 now, I believe. So maybe he hasn't got the pace to be getting around um, up there like he used to um i don't think he's i think he's been a bit of a bit part player as well i don't think he's been starting every game um this season but i could be wrong
0: yeah perhaps i mean obviously still got people like ruben neves in the side as well Uh, do we think that wolves are do we think there's more to it with this underperforming season that they're having right now i mean you know they've had one or two seasons now in the premier League. Sorry, this is their third season in the premier league i believe and for the last two seasons they've been very strong um they've had very, very good seasons where I think they've pushed into Europe and got actually quite deep in the Europa League last season. They lost three players effectively this season. If you include the injury to Raul Jimenez, when they lost, uh, Doherty to Spurs. And they've also obviously lost Jota to Liverpool. um, I mean, it's hard to get a read on them because I've watched a few of their games and I remember the Chelsea game and they played really well and Neto and Podos were very good. So like what's missing from this Wolves team? Is it literally just the the Raul Jimenez um, link that's missing? Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know if it is just one thing. I I would say that was a major factor of it. I think that's probably had quite a a big impact on the squad. Um, But I do also think it is a case of everybody else has got a lot stronger and is is playing very well this season. I don't think it's the fact that, you know, Wolves are particularly playing really badly. I think, I think everybody else is just playing really out really well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll say, I mean, obviously there's still a long way to go and I, you know, we keep saying, stop trying to predict the season and, and whatnot. So let's, let's see how things go towards the end of the season. um, Right, let's, uh, obviously, we're not going to do team of the week. Um, I've, just been, I've just been sent something on my phone, and I'm going to read it out. Uh, Mr. Lee Cole, for once, has actually sent me something that um, I can actually talk about on the podcast. He's, usually, he sends me jokes that are way too uh, close to the mark t- <laughs> to talk about on a, on a, on a chat show. Um, apparently, there is a footballer that in Brazil that has been banned for eight games for windmilling his penis during a match, during a celebration. <laughs> Um, yeah i, I don't I've, I've not clicked on the link here just just in case this is like a piss take and i'm gonna get like some kind of random image up in front of me because that wouldn't be the first time that lee's done that to me um but yeah if you're interested then just search uh, win meaning penis in google i'm sure you'll get great results right <laughs> um let's uh, let's get into this then as we close the show out <laughs>
2: Down the stack, man.
1: So, Bruno Fernandes has now has 15 assists in 36 Premier League games. Only two players
2: have got to 15 assists in fewer games. Who are they? Uh, David, t- David Silva. Nope. Uh, go on, give me a clue. Do you want the two teams that they played for?
0: Yeah, go on then. Let's let's go with that.
1: So one was a United player and one was a West
2: Ham player. West Ham player, okay. Uh De Canio. Nope. Um, how? I
0: mean, are we talking fairly? Re- I'm sure really not fairly recently. It must be a, a while ago.
1: Uh, one was recent-ish, and the other one was a while ago. Okay. Which is which? <laughs> West Ham was recent-ish.
0: Okay. Hi, uh, Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then United. Um, a while ago, <laughs> I mean that could be anybody. Um, Frenchman. Sorry. Frenchman. Frenchman. Uh, Cantona. Yeah. Ah. Well, oh, he's in very esteemed company, Mister Fernandez, with that stat. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and long may it continue for May United fans. I have to say, um, he's doing a good job in my fantasy league team. I think I've had him as captain now for about the last four months.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've had him as captain. I'm scared of having United players because no matter who I put my team, they usually perform badly.
0: (laughs) Right then, Uh, now it is time. So it's important to say that Monday we did do this uh, and I came out victorious. However, we have agreed... Um, that the result of that is null and void, and it will come down to tonight's show. So pressure is back on, uh, and Dan gets a, a second chance. So, right, let's get into it. Welcome
3: back. Football with Fran, but potentially, well, maybe, definitely the last night. Maybe,
0: definitely. Who
3: knows? Yeah. Who knows?
0: Are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> Depends if I win or not. Then.
3: <laughs> um. Well, I was going to say similar to Monday, but obviously no one really heard. <laughs> no <laughs> one heard Monday's. But um, it's questions about the current Premier League up to last night's games. So up to, like, that's from this morning for this Premier League season. Um, So there's three players I'm looking for here, and you can get a point for each player you get, right? Who has hit the woodwork the most times?
2: Oh, God.
3: (laughs) So there's three that are all on the same amount of times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... If you want to like guess three, then that's fine. But you you can get, you can have a point for for um each player.
0: Okay. I commend you your 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 uh your quiz research questions here, because God knows where you found this question from. <laughs> um Oh, blimey. okay. Uh yeah, I mean I've got three players, but who knows if they're right or wrong. Daniel? Yeah, I've got three players. Right, Chris, go on then. Uh, I'll go Raheem Sterling. I'll go oh. uh, for Sadio Mane. Yeah. And I will go for
2: Marcus Rashford. Dan? I've gone for De Bruyne. Rashford and Lacazette.
3: Well, you're all very
1: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be three uh, really Venerable. obscure players, isn't it?
3: How did you not get I Timo? I thought Timo
1: Werner, but I didn't think he'd play enough games.
3: Timo, yeah, yeah, but think how many times. He yeah. Played. Timo Werner, Watkins, and Trossard all on five. Oh, okay. Um, so sticking with this theme, obviously, who has made the most
2: tackles? I feel like I should know that. And is this name three again, is it? No, sorry, this is just one. Oh, just there's, one? There's, oh, there's wow.
3: standouts standout player for this one. <sighs> <hell.
2: laughs> Chris, got someone? I have no idea what it is, but...
0: I mean yeah this is a guess from how many hundreds of players in the premier league.
3: Uh, I guess guesses were very good on Monday so go for it.
0: <laughs> um I'm going to go with uh,
2: Wilfred and Didi from Leicester. Yeah. I'm going for Wamba Sack. Yes yeah, smashed it well done. Wamba Sack. Yeah.
0: Oh here we fucking go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I was waiting for you to say that <laughs> um,
1: he's the best tackler in the league
3: who has had the most yellow cards uh, oh
2: god that's tough yeah I mean it's not for me because I got the answer well yeah <laughs> Have you got someone uh yeah I don't think it's right but I'll, Chris uh, yeah um, I'll go with Fernandinho Dan I've gone for David Luiz
3: Hector Bellerin
1: oh, I'd never have got that
3: mm, nor would I
1: <laughs> that's interesting
2: how many out of curiosity seven mm.
3: who has played the
2: most minutes so far and there's only one answer I genuinely think I might know who this is. I think it's one of two players. Ooh. Um, and this is Premier League only, right? So yeah. So not we're not, we're not counting. Yeah. yeah. One hasn't written. Right,
3: well,
1: I've written it, but I've it's one of two, and I've probably picked the wrong one. Okay,
3: go on, Chris.
1: I'm going with Declan Rice. Oh, okay.
3: You
1: go. Well, I thought it was Rashford, but I've put Maguire.
3: Aaron Croswell oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the right team yeah
0: so Declan Rice must at some point have been substituted or something or maybe didn't play a game or something because I thought he had played every minute of our season this year maybe not maybe not
3: I mean feel free to question the Premier League website <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, bah, bah, bah.
1: how many was it two questions left there's one question one question left
0: oh fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on then uh, who... Chris is getting
1: Annabelle on Google <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> who has scored the second most goals in the league now, there's four people here that are all tied, so
2: yeah, you get
3: a point for each person. So, Chris, for you could easily person. bring it back.
2: Yeah, there's four people. Okay. get a second. So we're guessing four. Yeah, guess four. <laughs> four people all on second place. How many, how many have you got? I've got three at the moment. Right. Yeah,
0: I've got three as well. I suspect you've probably got the same three that I do. It's just a case of the fourth. <laughs>
3: yeah, probably all got the same three.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess the fourth.
3: If there's any help, it's someone sneaks in
2: yesterday. Yeah, okay. I, think I know Well,
1: <laughs> I know one. Definitely know one of them. I'm pretty sure I know the other three. I think.
0: All right, Jesus. All right, Dan. Jesus Christ, man.
1: I'll say that with confidence. I'll get it completely wrong.
0: Chris? Okay. Uh, well, the three, the three I'm fairly confident on is Harry Kane, yeah. Song, Song Hyun Min, Jamie Vardy. Those are the three I'm fairly confident on. The fourth one,
2: oh, I'll go with Calvert-Lewin. Right, Dan? Um I think Jamie Vardy is top goal scorer. Uh,
1: I think Bruno's second. I think Son and Kane are both joint. And I guessed Calvert Lewin because I've no idea how he's doing now.
3: Ah oh, Dan, you've won. <laughs> Has he
1: done it? <laughs> so it?
3: Jamie, Jamie Vardy is not actually, he must be third because Mo Salah's is top.
1: Oh, okay. I thought Jamie Vardy was top.
3: Um, so, apologies, Chris, but the 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 four are Bruno, Harry Kane, Son, and Calvert Lewin.
0: No, I, I genuinely didn't so, know Bruno. I, obviously, I knew Bruno was having a great season, but I didn't think he was up there.
1: Yeah, he's. I think he's second on goals, and he's second on assists or third on assists.
3: So that means it's obviously it's five three. And Dan wins, but but do we we
1: do to make Chris win?
3: Do we well? (laughs) What do we What do we want to do? Do we we want to have another another quiz on Monday just to make it? Because I I feel like this is unfair now.
0: (laughs) I mean, we could put it to we could put it to the vote with the listeners if you wanted to yeah Um, let the listeners listeners
3: listeners right do you think there should be another round because chris won it on monday and was honestly so excited (laughs) but um it didn't make it to 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 air and now dan has won so do we think there should be like a final 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 quiz or do you think dan should just win it let me know
0: Okay. We'll uh, yeah. We'll, we'll post something. We'll post some stuff on social media and get everyone's uh, feedback.
3: But um, yeah, well done, Dan.
0: Thank so. you. Really, do you know what the, the reason I was so confident on that three was because I feel like I've actually I saw after the, um, the Liverpool game against West Ham at the weekends, I knew that Salah was top goal scorer because I remember seeing the statistic then. And they showed obviously like the top five, and I could have sworn I saw Vardy, Son, and Kane in that list. So yeah, that's that's bummed me out.
2: Oh, I thought Vardy was top. I don't know why. Oh wow! Well.
0: Yeah. I,
2: uh, I, I think he. I don't know. Maybe I've got it wrong.
0: <laughs> so anyway, on the um, on the topic of of. Of redoing the quiz or not, there is of course the, uh, the 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 real the real chance here that if the fans turn around and say no, tough shit, it was Chris's fault for the fact that the recording screwed up last week. This is this is just desserts. <laughs> um, there is a, a chance that we're going to need a forfeit, friend.
3: Yeah, uh, just actually to clarify, Jamie Vardy um, is sat in third. Um, on 11 goals with Patrick Bamford
2: mm. so
3: he's he's technically like sixth joint sixth if you count all the others but yeah he's like joint third
2: if you
1: do decide that Chris has lost then the forfeits can be whatever you like them to be
0: <laughs> I feel like I said exactly the same thing on Monday when, when I won I was like, now that it's not me go nuts let's make you do some crazy shit <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, I don't suppose you have that um, telephone call again, dear. <laughs> uh,
0: what, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Okay, well, we, we leave it uh, in, the listener's, in the listeners' very capable hands to decide what the outcome is. If it's decided that uh, Dan has won this quiz, um, then it will be over to, uh, to Fran to post out on social media to find, get some ideas um, and also for Fran to decide what, what I'm going to have to do. Or, of course, there will be one final winner-takes-all round of Football with Fran on Monday's recording. So, uh, without further ado, then, I guess it's time to end. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Dan, Fran, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. you. And we will see everyone next Tuesday. Take care. Bye. Bye.